UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. Kansas City Skywalk disaster in 1981 killed 114 people and became one of the most closely covered events in city history. But author Eli Paul says he's come up with an untold story about the Skywalk's tragedy through the writings of a key player in the Skywalk's disaster, and that's plaintiff's attorney Robert Gordon. Robert Gordon believed to the end of his life that Hallmark deserved most of the blame for the tragedy that also injured more than 200. Eli Paul's new book is Skywalks, Robert Gordon's Untold Story of Hallmark's Kansas City Disaster. Eli Paul lives in Kansas City. He served as head of the Kansas City Public Library's Missouri Valley Special Collections from 2011 to 2016. He also once was the director of the National World War I Museum and Memorial, and he's written books on the Wounded Knee Massacre and Lakota leader Red Cloud. Eli, welcome to the show. Nice to have you back again. Great to be here, Steve. You know, Robert Gordon, not a well-known no name, at least as far as the Skywalk tragedy is concerned. How did you come across his writings about this case? Well, uh, they discovered me. Uh, Hmm. One day, his son, Andy Gordon, called me up at the library, and he said he had his father's papers, and his father was Robert Gordon, which basically didn't mean anything to me. But he did add that he had been a lawyer and involved in the Hyatt Skywalks case. Which perked your interest. That took my yeah, uh, took my attention, uh, grabbed my attention immediately. And he said he had his father's papers and would we be interested at the library of uh, acquiring them. Who was Robert Gordon? Robert Gordon was a uh, an attorney in Kansas City, born and bred uh, here in Kansas City. He went off to the University of California, got a law degree, came back, specialized in uh, corporate fraud and class action lawsuits. Uh, not something you would think would be, uh, you know, connected to the Hyatt case in any way. Uh, but he was here local. Uh, one of the survivors of the uh, collapse contacted him and asked him to represent her. And he decided that uh, this would make a great class action lawsuit in mm. which it, she would serve as a representative, the class representative for hundreds of people. We should probably point out, Eli, that he's no longer with us. When did he die? He died in 2008. He never saw his book published. Why were you so interested in this story? Well, it's in the subtitle, for one thing. It's an untold story. Uh, it's it's a new perspective, or at least a different perspective, on the events leading up to the Hyatt collapse and the great legal struggle that occurred afterwards. Robert Gordon had actually written this book about all his research. It was titled House of Cards. Why was it never published? Hey, well, that that's part of the uh, part of the story. Part yeah. of the story that I'm I'm keeping back. But uh, one thing. Uh, when we finally discovered his manuscript in his boxes of papers, and I'll tell you, there were 180 boxes yes. of material, so it was a needle in a haystack. Uh, when we when I found it, it was well over 800 pages long, typed, double-spaced, with maybe a couple hundred more pages of footnotes. So it wow. was just a doorstop, which was not what his editors at Simon & Schuster wanted. You say this case, and you're pointing out 
by the size of his book that maybe that this answers the question, but this case consumed Robert Gordon in a powerful way. How so? Well, in 1983, the federal Skywalk cases of which he was the co-league counsel for the plaintiffs settled, and it was settled out from under him by his partners. Uh, he decided, I got to get this story out. I know I, I have a story to tell about the, the events leading up to the uh, Hyatt disaster, and it needs to be told. So he switched from being a lawyer to trying to be a writer. So he decided, I'm going to write a book. Uh, and at that time, you know, we're, we're talking about the time of all the president's men and, and big blockbuster nonfiction books, uh, tell-alls. That was what he had in mind to do, and he came very close to pulling it off. Hmm. This uh, book, this focus in his life, took a huge personal toll on him. He wound up getting divorced over this story, uh, so consumed by it that his marriage actually fell apart. It did, because he started the book in 1983, and he he spent a decade on it. And, and he, he, uh, he um, w- went through a raft of ghostwriters, editors, a publisher. Uh, Ten years later, basically, uh, the plug was pulled on the book project and he set it aside. And one can tell that it uh, really damaged him uh, for the rest of his life. And it was but said this, he was very depressed by the end of his life. He was. Uh, I've been told that he, he was uh, very depressed at time of his life. He was rattling around in his Mission Hills uh, mansion. He was a, he was a man of means uh, and everything, but uh, not getting this book out uh, really hurt him uh, personally and professionally. Did you ever meet him? I never did. Uh, he was he loved military history, so I like to think that uh, when I was the museum director at the National World War I Museum, that he probably came through at one time. And he was a brilliant individual, very knowledgeable. I'm sure we would have gotten along great. I bet if I took him through a tour of the museum, he would probably told me more about the history of World War I than I knew. We're talking about Eli Paul's new book, Skywalks, Robert Gordon's Untold Story of Hallmark's Kansas City Disaster. I should point out that Eli will be speaking about his new book on the Skywalks uh, of Disaster of 1981 at 6 p.m. Thursday at the Central Library. More information, kclibrary.org. You know, Eli, his conclusion is unequivocal here. Hallmark, as the owner and builder of the hotel, was to blame for this tragedy. Why did he come to that conclusion? What was his thinking on that front? Well, he developed a very well-documented, well-thought-out thesis. And his thesis was to understand the disaster of July 1981. You had to go back to October of 1979 when another collapse occurred at the Hyatt. The roof collapse. The roof collapse. And, And this was no minor thing. This was uh, tons and tons of steel beams and a recently poured concrete roof that came crashing down. 2,700 square feet of material came down on the atrium. Miraculously, no one hurt or injured in that crash. That's true because it was after hours. Now, Gordon's thesis was to look at Hallmark's reaction and, and the entire project team. We're talking about, you know, architects, uh, structural engineers, fabricators, installers, project managers. How did they react to this red light, the most reddest of red lights that one could have 
that showed that something was wrong with the building. So he looked at that, and he dug out the documentation. There was even some tapes tape, tape recordings, that yeah. he uh, mm-hmm. discovered during the, the discovery phase of the, of the case that uh, of meetings after that first collapse and how did this team react. And he thought, he believed, that Hallmark missed the boat. They were given a clear warning. They didn't heed it. They missed the boat in what way, Eli? Well, they should have basically stopped the construction in its tracks and investigated, inspected the entire atrium because Mm. uh, it it was a complicated building. There were a lot of steel-to-steel, steel-to-concrete connections. The skywalks had just been installed prior to the roof collapse. And the roof collapse didn't damage the skywalks at it the time. It missed it entirely. Yeah. And in some ways, in retrospect, that was a that was a bad thing that it missed it because if it had hurt and damaged the skywalks, he thought they probably would have discovered that the vertical hanging system that they had uh, come up with wasn't going to do the job. An opinion like uh, Robert Gordon's didn't go well in a city that is home to Hallmark Cards and the Hall family. How did the company react to what Robert Gordon was saying at the time? Well, they vehemently um, opposed his thesis because they, they felt like, you know, event A, the roof collapse, and event B, the Skywalks were collapse, two were things. two separate things, mm-hmm. unrelated, had nothing to do with one another, and that you couldn't expect them to, you know, f- discover the one based on the other one. And he, he, he Gorin obviously disagreed with that. Uh, they were very, um, obviously, they, they were at loggerheads with this federal uh, class action lawsuit. So, you know, they, they opposed everything Gordon came up with. Afterwards, when he turned his attention to writing a book, it's pretty clear that they were, Hallmark was keeping a pretty close eye on what he was doing and what he was coming up with. What do you make of Robert Gordon's thesis here and his conclusions, Eli? Did, did, did he have a point? It's obviously a counter-narrative to the one that Kansas City has been led to believe over the years. What do you make of what, of what he was saying? Um, Robert Gordon appealed to me in some respects as, as, as me as a historian because he was so good at documenting his argument. And uh, and his 180 boxes of papers clearly shows that he was very interested in backing this up. Now he had to back it up if this went to trial. So he he uh, his thesis was vetted in that regard. It was also vetted by the legal department of Simon and Schuster when when they were considering the manuscript. So a lot of eyes have been put on this. And I, I must say that uh, it can be a very convincing message. Now, where I might differ from Robert Gordon is that he put virtually all the blame uh, on Hallmark. Uh, of course, he, he didn't disagree that the two structural engineers who were involved in the project also shared a major part of the blame. Mm-hmm. They, they, they came up with a bad design and it got by them. Uh, I differ in the sense that there were so many people who could have done something, should have done something along the way, because Mm -hmm. we're talking about dozens 
of architects and engineers and in, uh, fabricators and installers and inspectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much was missed by so many people that any one of them probably could have, you know, put a monkey wrench into the project and had people slow down and find this problem beforehand. You know, part of his thesis here, if I understand correctly, is that he was saying that Hallmark was uh, pushing to get the hotel open despite the collapse of the roof. It was full speed ahead. We're going to you know, save money and get the thing opened on time. Tell me about that part of this. Well, this was a time in the 1970s where interest rates were in the double digits. Mm-hmm. And time literally was money. Was yeah. money. Mm-hmm. And and by the time of the roof collapse in 1979, Hallmark already had 400,000 room reservations for their new hotel, which would have opened up in 1980. So, you know, they had a great financial incentive uh, for there not being a work stoppage that, that they kept full speed ahead. So, um, and, and Gordon brought this up, you know, he emphasized that there was a lot of pressure on people to get this project done on time and on budget. We'll be back in just a minute. You write in here that the skywalks were intended, at least originally, to be something of an architectural marvel. They were to float above the lobby, their means of support invisible to people looking from below. They were to be dramatic architectural uh, flourishes and stunning in their design. There was nothing like it in the city. Whose idea was it to build skywalks as part of this atrium? Well, you've probably heard the old adage that uh, success has a hundred mothers and failure is an orphan. Uh, this was something and, and, uh, that Gordon talked about and that I've seen for myself in, in the depositions, the, the uh, dozens of depositions that were uh, taken uh, uh, from the um, principals involved. No one cl- lays claim to the Skywalks for their design really? or anything. Uh, and people were pointedly asked, who... Uh, who designed them? Who came up with the idea? And you get virtually, you know, a muddle of 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 that. So no one, no one can, as yet, can really be uh, pointed at and said that person came up with the idea. Now, for Gordon, it wasn't so much who came up with the idea, who signed off on it, mm-hmm. and ultimately, the owner, the guy that writes the checks, signs off on it. To be clear, there was a lot of concern about the safety of the skywalks, even as construction came to an end. One foreman was blunt about it, saying, and I'm quoting again, I didn't mind telling anybody that the skywalks worried the hell out of me. What happened to those warnings? They they went into the ether, I think. And and that's, that's one thing uh, that I guess it's human nature that, oh, I knew there was a problem beforehand. But that foreman didn't go to anybody that I can tell and and warn them that something was wrong. So once again, there's a lot of people that you can assign, you know, a portion of the blame to. The accident took place during a tea dance. Describe what was that event? How how, how did tea dances come about? Well, um, Hyatt had tried this, which Hyatt, the manager, they, let's remember they, they had nothing really to do with the design or the building of the, of the, of the hotel. They were, you know, they managed it for the Hallmark Corporation. 
Um, tea dances had been tried out in other cities and were very popular. And, you know, we, we think of tea time uh, in, old, in merry old England. So they were uh, late afternoon, early evening dances. Everyone was invited. Uh, they were free to attend. They were hugely popular immediately in Kansas City. And it was a place in 1981 to, you know, see and be seen. And uh, what a beautiful venue it was, this huge, spacious atrium, mm -hmm. three of these marvelous skywalks that you could stand on and watch and and be watched. Uh, it was a big band, uh, jitterbugging, uh, waltzes, rumbas, you know, you, you name it, uh, dance contests. It was a, just an exciting place. And I've come across so many people who had been there to a previous tea dance or were planning to go hmm. uh, to a tea dance, even that evening's tea dance of July 17th. Uh, it really made a splash in Kansas City. To what extent is the lobby of that hotel similar to what it was like on that day in 1981? Well, in some respects, it's very similar. I was going to say. It, it's almost eerie. Yeah, But there are eerie. no skywalks. What mm -hmm. you have now is a very safe, mundane walkway with, mm -hmm. with uh, support columns that come from the floor. You know, there's nothing hanging from the ceiling yeah. like the skywalk. So you get a good sense of it. Uh, but that uh, magic that was there when the, when the building opened, I think that's gone. The Kansas City Star and the Kansas City Times moved in quickly here after the collapse of the Skywalks to find out what it caused them to collapse. What did they find out, Eli? Well, they, they had this brilliant idea, and that was as soon as we can get in there and look around, we're going to bring our own structural mm -hmm. engineer in. To examine uh, it, yeah. Wayne Lichka was his name. And like every other engineer who saw the uh, aftermath of the, uh, of the Skywalks collapse, he, he saw immediately what had happened in terms of it being a failure of the vertical support rod box beam construction. And that was, uh, you know, that was a, it seems obvious that they would do something like that, but the, uh, but the um, newspaper thought of doing it and they, they got the answer almost immediately. Within just a few days. Just within a few days. Now <laughs> it took the National uh, Bureau of Standards to cart a lot of the rubbish, uh, and debris to Gaithersburg, Maryland, to do a scientific analysis. But they basically came up with the same conclusion. Who was ultimately deemed responsible for the Skywalks collapse? If, if you think in terms of someone who got publicly punished, it was two structural engineers from the St. Louis firm that was, uh, had contracted for, uh, to do the structural engineering. Um, Jack Gillum and... Um, Dan Duncan hmm. were their names. And, you know, they, they weren't charged with anything. Was, it, was they, anyone charged with any criminal liability? Not, no one. No uh, one. There, there was an investigation done by the Jackson County uh, attorney and the uh, uh, state U.S. attorney as well, but they deemed that there was uh, nothing that they could charge anybody with. And the two structural engineers, their punishment consisted of losing their license to practice in Missouri. What do you make of that as you look back? Would that, ha would that be the same outcome today if something similar happened? Absolutely not, yeah. I don't think. I, th I think there uh, probably would have been a much more intensive investigation. 
to find criminal negligence in this uh, in this case. Uh, the other thing uh, we in a day of cell phones where you would take photographs or videos of the aftermath of a destruction, we would we would have a whole different perspective of that tragedy if that type of imagery existed today. So Robert Gordon was never able to bring his case, his premise, and try it out in a court of law. That never happened. That why, never happened. Why not? Uh, the case was settled out from underneath him mm-hmm. in January of 1983. Basically, his uh, the league co- counsel of the of the team, the plaintiff's team, uh, worked with uh, the d- lawyers of the defendants, of which Hallmark and Hyatt were two of several defendants, and they came up with a, a settlement. And so uh, no case was ever held in, uh, uh, in federal court. What do you hope this book does? What's, what, what's your hope for it? Well, I, I, I think I would like to uh, bring Robert Gordon uh, back to center stage, where he was for a while mm-hmm. as a member of, you know, he was an insider to all of this. So he, he provides a great perspective about this. I'd never heard of him before, before and, I came across your book. And that is common. You know, mm-hmm. his, his name got lost along the way. Uh, I would like that uh, at least his counter-narrative gets some attention I, I think it's an, I think it's a needed corrective to what is the generally accepted narrative about uh, about the Hyatt. As a historian, what I'd like to see is more materials, more historical documents come out of the woodwork by some of the other principals who were involved in this and get those into public hands, such as the Missouri Valley Special Collections. Yeah. There's a lot of history out there. I think that still exists that needs to be in the public's hands. That's Eli Paul. His new book is Skywalks, Robert Gordon's Untold Story of Hallmark's Kansas City Disaster. Again, he speaks at six o'clock Thursday evening at the Central Library. More information, kclibrary.org. Eli, thanks for coming in. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancart. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.